0: This episode of The Cutting Room is sponsored by Grass Valley's EDIUS-6. Check out the new EDIUS-6 at www.grassvalley.com.
1: What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing?
0: Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. This episode, we have Danny Cooper from Australia, and she's cut such works as Candy, Battlestar Galactica, Queen of the Damned, and she was also an additional editor on Australia. She also cut Beneath Hill 60, which just won several awards in Australia for editing. Definitely looking forward to seeing that one. Here's part one of my interview with Danny Cooper. How did you get your start in film editing?
2: I was doing a degree at Sydney University in finance and anthropology. And when I graduated, my final year was in the finance course was um, film theory. And there was a practical workshop where you could make and edit your own small documentary, which I did. And I really enjoyed the process of putting pictures together, not having a lot of experience, but it sort of came naturally to me. And because I had also played the violin for about 15 years, and not just practicing or screeching at home, but playing in youth orchestras and things like that. So I had quite a lot of semi-professional experience. Somebody said to me, I think it was a friend of my mother's who was a documentary filmmaker, said, oh, you'd be a really good editor because you have a sense of rhythm and phrasing and you also have a visual art background, mm-hmm. etc." So I started working as an assistant editor on documentaries, um, and this is on the days of 16 mm film, mm-hmm. and um, graduated through that into assisting on drama. This is all in Australia. And then started cutting small things. I think the first film I cut was about the history of jazz in Australia uh, called Beyond El Rocco, and it got cinema release. Mm -hmm. And then I did an opera about black deaths in custody. Mm A few small things, and then my first feature, which was called Angel Baby, uh, which was directed by Michael Reimer, who I have had a long association with, won seven AFI awards, um, one of them for Best Editing, so that's really how I got into it, in, wow. in a very sort of brief form. And I think the whole process probably took about eight years.
0: Mm-hmm. Just to clarify, just for people outside of uh, Australia, AFI isn't the American Film Institute, it's the Australian Film Institute. Uh, yeah. Now, how did, how did you make the leap to international work? Because we had talked via email about your work in Toronto briefly. And you've also worked on some big Hollywood films.
2: I made the leap. I was actually the additional editor on Babe Two at the time when, I got a, when Michael Reimer got a job in, uh, for Miramax called Into Deep. And that would have been my first studio experience. Um, it starred Omar Epps and LL Cool J, and it was hip hop, um, sort of street drama. And we were, we were hired, I think, because the end of Angel Baby has a sort of implied suicide and the end of this original screenplay, this film, had, had an implied suicide. So I think, I mean, Michael's a bit hot because of Angel Baby, and I think it was like, well, get those suicide guys from Australia. <laughs> and so I, I went over and did that, and um, we cut in Toronto, and we previewed in New York, and then we mixed at Tattersall Sound Mm-hmm. Um, in Toronto, and then the sort of final mix was done at Skywalker Ranch.
0: Now, because you've you've worked in in Canada, Australia, the U.S., what are some of the differences you've noticed in day to day operations of the editing rooms between the countries?
2: Um, well, I should put this into context because, I mean, the day to day operations of an editing room are determined by the budget of the film. Mm-hmm. So when I tended to go and work in Canada and the U.S., I was generally on a higher budget film than I was in Australia, unless I was on a Babe 2 or an, an Australia, the film Australia, I mean. What I'd first observed when I went over to work in Canada was I I was able to have two assistants. In Australia, I had been we we were cutting on avid over here then, which was we were all non-linear, yeah. but we were there was a sort of perception in Australia at that time that unless you're on a big budget film, that you only needed one assistant. And so we were having work print dailies on um, Interdip. So I had two assistants. In Australia, everything is budget-driven so what, because there is no studio behind you. So once you've... You are told, you once, you have, once you have finished shooting, you have one week to provide an editor's cut and then you have probably eight weeks with the director... Um, maybe a week, this is on a a luxury schedule too, maybe a week with the producers being brought in, although you try and bring them in sooner, and then you lock off up to maximum 12 weeks, and then you're removed from the picture as Mm -hmm. a picture editor, uh, which is a very dissatisfying way of working, I, Mm -hmm. I find. As an assistant editor, when I assisted people over here, when we were still cutting on sprockets, they would keep the first assistant, which is generally myself and the editor on until the end of the final mix to check the prints, etc., as they do in the United States. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not quite sure about what your Canadian local films do. So the first thing I noticed when I got to the States or I worked on an American production was I was going to be kept on all the way through, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. just fantastic, because you really can make the film. If you cast off at Lock Off, there's this worry about what happens to your visual effects, what will happen with your ADR, your music, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, I think that's the the primary difference. However, I bring it back to the budgetary thing, and that is when I was working on Babe 2 and on Australia, as an additional editor, I would have been... I I didn't go to the end of the final mix on Babe 2, but I did on Australia, and it's budgetary. (laughs) Also, both those films were studio pictures. One was Universal, one was Fox, so it was expected. I mean, the other big difference is that American and Canadian films are unionized. We are not unionized over here. And as a result of that, um, you will say, for example, so I want time and a half for Saturday and double time for Sunday. And they'll say, oh, there will be no overtime. (laughs) 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 There just won't be. And you'll say, well, what if we need to? What if there's an act of God? What if the telephony doesn't come through on time? What if the camera jams? We'll decide that when it happens, which means basically you won't. (laughs) We yeah. <laughs> just absorb it and I believe the UK is a little like that as well mm-hmm. and I think it's because the film industries are, sm- are smaller and there's a sort of sense of you are a very lucky girl to be working as a film editor on this project mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it, how that affects you creatively if you know that you're on a picture for the whole run you, you don't get that sort of nervous anxiety I've got to get everything done by picture lock I've got to get everything mm-hmm. done or if we need four more weeks in the cutting room. We can't have it. Oh no, we've got to get it done. We've got to get it done. Yeah. yeah. So I prefer working in the United States and Canada <laughs> because of that reason only. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, I was just going to jump to the movie uh, Perfume for... Yeah. That film is very dialogue heavy. A lot of the actors would sort of ad-lib their dialogue throughout the whole film. How did you work with the footage and make sure that the story was still there?
2: Well, the story, there wasn't really a story. There was a treatment. That was a collaboration between Michael Reimer, um, Nadia Leonelli, and Kit Carson. Mm -hmm. They decided to shoot an improv film in New York for two weeks over Fashion Week. Mm -hmm. And they had a brief treatment. They went out, shot it (laughs) in two weeks rang me up and said, and Michael rang me up and said, hey, Danny, we've got all this footage. I want you to make a film out of it. Here's the treatment and just send it all down to me in Australia. So it was actually a very freeing experience because there was a storyline, but really what the film is, is it's sort of an observational, emotional piece. Mm -hmm. Um, my, My assistant and I at the time, Megan Donovan, we just sat and we played with the pieces and we picked out the best performances and we shaped it into something and and it was really wonderful, (laughs) I really enjoyed doing it. (laughs) I was quite pleased with the end result, it's a film that doesn't have a beginning, middle and end or a structure Mm -hmm. as such, it's just a a slice of life observational piece with some emotion in it and it, it, it was quite enjoyable to me really.
0: Okay. Now, Was there any trouble structuring the film since there wasn't? It was more of a just a outline.
2: I think um, we played with the structure quite a bit, actually. The climax. The, the, I mean, if there's any climax to the film, from what I recall, I mm-hmm. think it's the scene between Peter Gallagher and Paul Savino, where he just puts his head down on his shoulder, and that's a very. It's just. A, it's a very emotional thing, and so nothing much happens, but everything happens. Mm-hmm.
0: Now I'd like to just jump to Australia just uh, for a second, because you said there was an interesting story on how you got involved as an, as an additional editor.
2: I had I'm very fond of I'm I'm very fond of Dirty Dawn, and I now having worked with her, I um I had never met her before, but I was a great fan of her work, mm-hmm. and I heard she was coming out to be the main editor on Australia, and I think I had been overseas um, in LA when they started. Their, their shoot, and I came back, and I, so I wrote to her and said, "I'm Danny Cooper. I'm a film editor. If you need any additional work done, I'd love to work with you. It would be really fantastic." And she said, "Well, we have a full crew now, so I'm sorry that I can't. But I'd, I'd really love to have dinner with you. It'd be great to talk." And so we traded emails back and forward. What about this night? What about this night? For for a month or two, mm-hmm. until one day I got a call saying, "Would you like to come in and?" and meet with Baz and Dodie and Mike McCusker, who was the second editor mm-hmm. at the time, I'm um, not at the time, he was, he was also co-editor with Dodie Dawn, um, would you like to come in and meet with them with a view to becoming one of the additional editors, we've, we've got more footage and mm-hmm. we need some extra hands and I went in and Dodie said to me, oh you see this is the only way I could get you to be able to have dinner with me. <laughs> <laughs> So that's how I came to work on <laughs> Australia. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they liked my work as well. <laughs> well,
0: that was my interview with Danny Cooper. And do you know what that means? I do. And hopefully our listeners know.
1: It's time for who the winner was.
0: Of the four-word film review. Well, I guess, what what, what was the answer to the four-word film review?
1: It was Teen Wolf. And what was the... Uh... We, we had the pleasure of... And we still do, of uh, exchanging emails with um, an assistant working on Teen Wolf, and he is a listener. So, hi, Jeremy. He's and the
0: international editor of Mystery This Week.
1: That's right. And to his new wife.
0: Congratulations.
1: Congratulations. And uh, so, we had someone that guessed Teen Wolf, and they guessed it quickly, and it was
0: Peppo. Now, Peppo was also the one who caught us on not updating our notes. Or notes yeah. And he was listening very contently to make sure that we did our job this week.
1: Yes. And uh, so then he gave us the um, anglicized version of his name that we could use Which after we, we also butchered. Be butchered <laughs> so. But anyways, Peppo Pepo in Amsterdam will be expecting his shirt and it should be there soon. Yes fantastic
0: and i'd like to thank jeremy for sending in that great uh clue if you're editing anything or if you're working on anything that you think people should have a forward film uh, review clue for don't hesitate to send it in it's info at art of the
1: Or if you think of um, something really great that would be a really fun clue for a movie they haven't worked on, that's really old, that's really new, that's whatever, um, we're always looking for new Forward Film Reviews. So you can also contact us at facebook.com slash artguillotine and uh, I wouldn't suggest this for the answers, but you can tweet as well at artguillotine.
0: And also if you want to check out Forward Film Review, it's fwfr.com.
1: Correct.
0: Now, on to this week's Forwarder Film Review. But before we get into that, there's not much new on our tea time slash booze night. Right. Uh, and someone emailed in pub crawl, which I don't know right. why we be doing that. But uh, yes, tea time, we're still locking down the location.
1: However, I had one person who tweeted me the secret money phrase and uh, I just want to say hi to Jamie. You're awesome. And you will get your very own beer, but everyone else is sharing their one uh, other. There's only <laughs> be two beers bought. One for Jamie, whatever her choice may be. And the second will be um, a, a communal. Yes. I will only provide straws to those who give me the freeze.
0: And no one sent in music suggestions for Lauren's render files. It's
1: because no one cares.
0: I think it's because they like uh, the music that's, uh, that's there.
1: Why? I don't know.
0: We'll have to ask them. Yeah. But that brings us to this week's Four Word Film Review. Yes. Lauren.
1: So it's uh, for a movie, and it's actually only two words this week. Heard bombing. Think about it. Heard bombing. Now what's interesting about this week is that Gord chose us and didn't tell me what movie this is, and I'm just reading off my piece of paper here. So I'm thinking about it too, but maybe we can all guess together. Maybe I can get a shirt this time yeah we, actually
0: f- funny story lauren and i have never gotten a shirt <laughs> no we
1: have not <laughs> our own store that's right uh, but, uh, and if anyone um has received a shirt or bought a shirt and the shirts are available um in the store which i think there's a link on art of the guillotine. yes com, if right? you
0: go to art the and go to the main drop down you'll see store and you can go in there and choose shirts
1: yeah and so that's like a cafe press store where um there are a few different options of shirts which are pretty cool and if you buy them, which you can do on that site, that would be awesome. If you choose to uh, try to guess the answer and win it, if you receive any shirt in any way, shape or form, send us a picture of it, because it's awesome. We've got a group now on Facebook, as you know, Flash Art Guillotine, and we have all the pictures of our various editing buddies yes and, and I, non-editing I, buddies. I got
0: one just recently of a editing pal at a colorado rockies game
1: awesome wearing
0: his shirt so awesome
1: yeah and maybe you could wear your shirt in the most unusual place ever or like even like at lucas ranch or um <laughs> yeah. in, in uh you know various studios or yes. next to a call sheet that has someone in- interesting on it or something yes
0: Yep, send them all in. We're, we're always looking for them.
1: And, and any other interesting pictures from your work, we can always post those on our Facebook page too. Or on the website.
0: So, if you know the answer to herd bombing.
1: Herd bombing.
0: So it's not four words this week, it's two word film review. Then be sure to send them in to info at artoftheguillotine.com or
1: facebook.com slash guillotine.
0: Or even Twitter, you can DM me. Yep. At artguillotine.
1: Yeah. And yeah, we love any and all feedback. If you're going to LA, um, maybe you want to wear your shirt to the tea time. Yeah. Who knows? Whatever. It's totally tea cool. Tea time is going to
0: be Sunday right after the uh, Edit Fest.
1: Yeah. Or maybe you want to wear it underneath your button-down shirt and then give us a little flash secretly because you're embarrassed. But I don't see why you would be because they're pretty <laughs> darn
2: awesome.
1: Um, I'm actually going to be wearing a baby doll tee. No, I'm not. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, Maybe as we get closer to L.A., we will uh, give clues as to how you will recognize us. But I think some people have an idea of what you look like. Yes, someone actually
0: discovered uh, images of me online and... Which
1: Gord's very secretive about, he never lets images be online.
0: Yep. But if you are looking to get a shirt and you have no money to throw around uh, and you somehow get to Editfest without paying money... Interesting. We are giving away shirts at Editfest. Not to everyone just to the draw winners. I'd like to wrap things up, and I'd yep. like to say thank you to Sasha Dylan Bell and the Australian screen editors for setting up this interview. So I'd like to thank Danny Cooper for taking the time out of her busy schedule to allow me to interview her. I'd like to thank my producer, Lauren Woodcock.
1: Yay, Burke Kell. Oh, and I'm happy to share, um, because I rarely use Twitter, but Gord caught um, that tweet from Jamie, so I was able to respond. But I will check regularly if I'm giving out my Twitter username, which is at a l a z i e um, which is a la z because i uh, used to be called z by my family but uh yeah so a l a z i e feel free and sometimes Gord will uh mention me in tweets so you probably can find my my twitter name somewhere in his tweets
0: well be sure to listen next week we'll find out if someone sent lauren music
1: yeah, or herd bombing. Maybe they can tell me what that's about because yes. I'm still kind of struggling with this one.
0: I'm Gordon Raquel. Thanks for listening.